From ThatShelf.com, this is Black Hole Films. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. What's a black hole film, you ask? Well, you know those films you always meant to get around to watching, but you never did for whatever reason? Well, that's what they are. And this podcast is all about embracing them and checking those films off our lists and talking about them and whatever else happens to come up. I'm Canadian filmmaker Jeremy Lalonde, and I will be your host. You can follow me on Twitter at LalondeJeremy, or check out my website, JeremyLalonde.com, for more information on me and my projects. If you like the show, please subscribe to it, rate, review it, and leave a comment on whatever platform it is you're listening. It really does make a difference in helping to get more ears tuning in. And if you like this show, check out the others on the ThatShelf.com family of podcasts. And without further delay, let's get into this week's film. This is episode 248, and today I'm joined by actor-writer Marvin Kaye. Marvin created the show Less Than Kind, and you've seen him recently in films like Shape of Water. And we're going to sit down and watch a film together. So we're sitting down to watch Adventureland. I'm Jeremy. I have seen this film, but not in a really, really long time. And with me... Uh, Marvin Kay, uh, I have, I may have seen this. It's like this, so v- it's vaguely familiar to me. You're supposed to be the virgin, Marvin. Uh, I think, I think I am a virgin, or even <laughs> if, if I'm not, I've forgotten. So it's, it's, it's like I, my virginity's been reborn. Okay, but worst case scenario, we do have one person here that hasn't seen it. Me. So that's Ephraim, <laughs> who may or may not be talkative. He just got braces put on today, so his mouth's a bit sore. Yeah. Um, I have not seen this film. So just before we started, you were going through the cast. Yeah, like Jesse Eisenberg, Kirsten Stewart, Ryan Reynolds, Kirsten Wig, Bill Hader. It's like, wow. Uh, and I'm sitting here, I, it's, it, maybe it's because they all look familiar that I think I must have seen it, but I can't recall anything about it. Yeah, and this is, so the director is Greg Matola, and this is him coming off of doing Superbad. Okay. Which was like his big breakout. Because before that, I think Superbad was his first feature. And before that, he was like, he directed Freaks and Geeks. And right. he was one of Apatow's guys, right? right? That came out of that school. Which oh, yeah. is why you see like um, Martin Starr and Hater and some of the other people that are in there, right? Because they're all part of that same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just, I'm just scanning through the cast. And it's, it just looks like a cast of people I've seen in like all those that period of comedies that were coming out at the time. Yeah, it's one of those who's who of of comedy casts. So what do you know about this movie? I can't recall anything about it. So therefore I am a virgin. Nice. So you yes. know you literally know nothing. I can't no. But I, I saw a picture of some guy in a t shirt and it looked like he was in a park. There is a guy that wears a t shirt in this movie. Yeah, that was it. <laughs> Check. So, but you made, you picked this. Right. I picked it because uh, I was just, I was sort of just scanning movies. I was, I was scanning through movies you should have seen. And I looked at them at Adventureland. It sounds familiar. And then I saw like Jesse Eisenberg and I saw a cast. And I was like, I don't, if I've seen this movie, I don't remember anything. But did you it. actually Google like a list of movies yes. you should have seen? <laughs> it was like movies, movies everyone should see or the important, most important movies of any era. And I'm looking, I'm like, did I not see this? And it's like 2009, is it? Sounds right. And I'm like, how could I have missed? I don't know. Maybe maybe that, that could have been drinking more then? I, it's, it, I think it's a movie that kind of came out and people liked it, but then it never really, it just kind of went away. Um, but I think it's, and again, I haven't watched it in a while, and I think I only saw it the one time. Because um, I bought, this was back still 2009, so I have the DVD and I'm pretty sure I got it from one of those blockbuster things when you used to be able to buy like five discs for yeah, like ten yeah. bucks if you waited long enough when they were old enough. So I think I picked it up because I'd heard about it and it was two bucks to buy it. Um, and that's how I, I saw it and why I still have it. But um, but it's one of those weird ones where I think it's, people think of it fondly, but it wasn't it wasn't like super bad that was everyone talked about and knew yeah. about. But I'm like, I, in all honesty, I saw the title. I was like, oh, is this like in a, uh, some sci-fi adventure thing? Like, some, <laughs> and I'm looking at it like Jesse Eisenberg. I don't think I've seen him do an adventure. Sci- and, then I, and then I was like, oh, romantic comedy. So you know, you don't know the plot story. Or anything? I don't know. Oh, then I'm not going to say shit because this is way more fun for me. Okay, cool. Uh, Ephraim, do you have anything to? It's called Adventureland. That's all you got. Is all you yeah. know. 
Great, that's good. That's yeah. all that attracted me. Ephraim's <laughs> also potentially drugged up from some Advil, mixed into some oatmeal he's eating. For the pain, I, I don't drug my children. Uh, for or, the record, yeah, but you do you do give them a lot of fiber. A lot of fiber, <laughs> so much fiber. <laughs> choo choo choo. Uh, all right, we'll be right back. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. All right, so we just finished, and that was it. Was a really good movie. I'm used. Maybe it's my age because it was so eighties nostalgia, but it was just. I. One second. Oh. Move that. Uh, I just, I just, I really enjoyed it. I, I, I was, I laughed a, a f- quite a few times. Um, I thought it was sweetly done. It was, it was structured really well. I, I don't, I don't, how well did the movie do when it came out originally? I don't think it was, you, you were saying it was. I don't think it did poorly. Um, also I forgot, I said that I think Superbad was Greg Mottola's first feature, but I remember he did this movie called, before called The Day Trippers. Um, there was this New York film that was like a a very indie film, but anyway, not, but, um, yeah, I, I don't remember, like, I'd have to look at the box office numbers. I don't think it did poorly, but I do think it's one of those films that kind of slipped through the cracks, although the people that saw it and know it, it's well thought of. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm one of those now. And what was... Same. You liked it? You loved it? Liked it or loved it? Loved, liked. Well, you're, but it's interesting for Ephraim because you're, I mean, you're... You know, not the age of these characters, but you're under. So, what does this make you think? Watching this as as someone who is, you know, not far away from the age of these characters, we're way on the other side of it. Yeah. We've we've kind of lived through a version of this. Um, but what do you think about what does this bode for your childhood? I don't know. Because <laughs> um, you're what year are you? Is you this is this was in '87. How old would you have been? Oh, '87. Uh, so I just graduated from high school. So you would have been close to the age of this character. Yeah. yeah. So I'm younger. I would have been You're like, young. yeah, I would have been like six years old. Yeah. No, but I'm, I, for me, it was like when I wa- like watching that and li- the fashions and the music and everything, it was like very, very nostalgic. Yeah. Very like, nostalgic. I remember all of the, all, like all of that stuff played for me because of my older cousins mm-hmm. and, and whatnot, my parents. So I was aware of all those things, but it wasn't like, I wasn't into the bands that, you know, they were into in this, but all my older cousins were, so I was aware of, like, you know, the priest, Judas Priest, and oh, the yeah. hair metal, and all, all that of kind of stuff. All those references were, were, are very potent for me. Rush? Uh, yeah. The, the Rush the, I was in a band, and, the, you know, every drummer in, in any band, in, especially in the 80s, was, like, Neil Peart was their god, and Rush was everything, and, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> so funny. <laughs> what was really interesting... For, uh, I mentioned this while we were watching it was seeing like Jesse Eisenberg, like before social network yeah, being, and you can see how this movie was a stepping stone for him to get, to get there. Like his character, the, the way he was portrayed with the intelligence and sort of the geekiness and the, but yet, you know, he was, there was some brain power there that was really, really active and above above the average so you saw that and it was interesting to see all of these actors actually when they weren't superstars like Ryan Reynolds and all of that all of them just on the verge of breaking yeah. out so Social Network so you probably don't know it's a movie that came out the next year uh, and it was about the invention of Facebook and so Jesse Eisenberg who was the lead here played Mark Zuckerberg uh, yeah it's, it's and even like like Hater and Wig like yeah. they're, this is all when they're still on SNL, I imagine. I, I would think so, yeah. Well, Wig stayed on SNL forever. Yeah. Um, so they're still all there. Uh, and yeah, they're all in Star... Like, like this is right after, you know, Freaks and Geeks. And um, uh, what was the college version of it called? Uh, the one that they did right after. Um, anyway, it doesn't matter. But Martin Starr comes out of Freaks and Geeks. Um and, and yeah, so people are just like on the cusp of, of kind of like starting to break out. There's another movie that Kristen Wiig and Jesse Eisenberg did years later that was 
American Ultra, I think it's called. Oh, I don't, that was this weird well, like put that one on the list. I'll be watching that one. Be yeah, next. it's not like this. It's more of like an action comedy. Okay, um, that's kind of interesting, and it does. This, it's one of those movies that has a weird twist to it that you watch and you're like, oh, cool, and then later on you're like, wait a minute. <laughs> uh, but it's interesting. I think it's based on like a cult no- uh, comic book. And I don't. Is it is it me because uh, I've been watching a lot of. Uh, uh, a lot of older movies lately, and I'm just seeing like sort of a different um, focus in terms of how these movies are made. Like I don't see romantic comedies with this. There just seems to be a certain style of it now that uh, that wasn't there when when this was when this was being made. Like there. Uh, I don't know if it's like the, the 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 streaming, the Netflix style of making movies that's a little bit different than, and this this just feels more authentic. Yeah, or I just I have a more of a gut reaction to it, whereas, um, you know, I've I've liked some of the Ryan Reynolds movies now, and and some of the romantic comedies just feel more manipulative. Whereas this has there was some sort of naturalism well, to it. Well, it was hard well, to we it. Knew, yeah, and yeah. We, yeah, we knew how how it was going to end eventually, but I don't know. Maybe it's just it's just the old man and me just going, oh, yeah, that's how they used to make movies. Well, we keep on talking about it. It's like I've, I've been lucky enough to get that in reviews for my stuff where some of the comments where I was like, well, they don't make movies like this much these days. And I think part of it is is that with the invention of streamers, there's so much content. I think it's just... People are making movies and they're okay with them being disposable. Mm. You know, they're okay with them just being of the moment and not having a shelf life. Yeah, and it feels, it also feels like they're making movies to appeal. They're, and, and, and all movies do this, but they, it really feels like they're trying to copy that, copy that sentiment or copy that instead of actually just telling an authentic story. You know what I mean? Yeah, like I even had I have a friend that runs a, a production company. I sent him and I sent him like a log line for something a while back, uh, and he finally got back to me. He's like, "Oh, this sounds great. It's like this thing that came out last year that did really well. And it sounds just like it, so it's perfect." And I'm like, "Oh, so I should probably change it because it's too close." He's like, "No, that's a good thing." And I was like, "That where that used to be? Oh, it's too close to this other thing. We shouldn't do it." And it's like, "Well, wait a minute. So no, you, no, you like it, it? You like it because it's the same? I'm like that's so it made me think of that. I hadn't thought about that until." just now but it's such an interesting yeah it's it's a weird time we're in where i think yeah it, it's almost and it's almost like bookended by the way it was before home movies where um it's funny like i can't remember someone was talking about this with in terms of like like the three stooges catalogs you know the three stooges when they made movie and it's a weird follow me follow me i'm gonna I'm, go somewhere i'm with you i'm, I'm holding in so um Someone was talking about you, you can't really binge something like The Three Stooges because if you watch too much of it, you realize, like, eventually they're doing the same gags over and over again. Yeah. But it's because when they were making things, like, there was no home video. People things didn't run in syndication or repeats. You weren't ex- ex- expecting to see these things over and over again because they just got thrown away un- until someone eventually put them on DVD or put them into a catalog. Right. So, like, it was okay to... Re- it was like vaudeville. It was okay to redo the same go- jokes and gags because... You weren't expecting people to rewatch these things. Yeah. Um, we're just like now, it's like people aren't expecting these movies to kind of like have shelf lives the way that even in the 90s, we still did. Like movies, they, we didn't make as many movies as we do now. Um, things, they're just not built to last, I think, sadly. Yeah, and this, this I don't know. And now that I've seen it, I, I want to watch it again. And I've, I, I don't, I've, I've been going through this nostalgic uh, version of watching movies uh, now. Like I got, I got obsessed with Michael Clayton a little while ago, and I watched it like four times. And then I found the script online, and I read the script, and I watched it again because I was like, "Oh, this, there's something about this movie that just feels so authentic and so real." And yeah. yet, and I just, I, I'm not seeing a lot of this sort. I'm not getting a lot of this feeling from what I'm. Newer movies. From the newer movies. So how do you feel about that as someone who is like, you know, growing up in this era, watching content from now, but also having a nerd dad that makes you watch old stuff? Well, um... Are you half asleep from your Advil? No. (laughs) Um, 
Is it, it was just out of it, right? You're not, yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right, good, good. Um, what do you mean? Oh, my goodness. You <laughs> forgot No, I was just saying, so, so you grow, you're, you're an interesting because you're younger, you know, but you're growing up watching movies of now, but also, like, you get a fair amount of older movies, too, because of me, and I, you know. Yeah. We watch these things. So do you notice the difference between the movies made now and stuff that was made, you know, before you were born? Other than looks? Well, it looks for sure. Like, yeah. there's a different style. But this is also a period piece. I mean, like, it's... Okay. No, um, go ahead. I, I'm putting you on the spot. But do, do you... Like, did you enjoy this movie? Yeah. So what did you like about it? I don't know. It was kind of funny. Right. But it's not like a laugh-out-loud comedy. Yeah. Like, this isn't, like, Anchorman, it's you like, know? It's, like, in your head funny. Yeah. But, like, for me, like, I watched this, and I'm a sucker for a good, a well-made coming-of-age story. Yeah. Because there's so many bad ones. There's so many that just... But also, it's like, what's interesting about a good coming-of-age story is that we've all had... I mean, you're still... You're coming to this point, but it's like... I'm coming of age. You're coming of age, yes, right? But but there's also, like, the, the, the later life coming of age stories we've seen, too, right? Of people that are, like, in their 40s. Like, there's that second stage coming of mm-hmm. life where people have, like, midlife crises, right? Yeah. And... Um, yeah, for, I mean, essentially for this, he, he had to come into his own, he had to come into himself. Like, that, he, had to, he had to regain confidence, like, that was the whole, that's his it. whole journey through this movie. Right? And I know, like, we have, the, Ephraim and I have these conversations where there's certain movies that I've said, I'm like, well, you shouldn't, let's, I'm like, I don't want you to watch that movie until someone breaks your heart. Yeah. <laughs> because there are some movies that I think just, like, hit you harder when you've been through a relationship where it's just like, ugh, and you've kind of, like, had that wound which is terrible to say. Not that everyone you brought hard to be broken, but I mean that's also how you build character. Yeah, uh, yeah. Eventually, your heart has to be broken so that you, it can grow again. It's like, it, you know, things. Everything breaks and then you, it heals and it becomes stronger, and yeah, you have I, to move on. And I think like I'm, I'm old enough now to know that I wrote so many bad things about like that experience and those that time that I feel like now I'm old enough I could write something good about it maybe <laughs> well you have you have perspective that's you have, a you have irony on it now and you can look back on it with the, the nostalgia of like all that pain but also still feels good when you look back on it that's just well there's something there's because there's a growth to it yeah but the, and it also you realize that you weren't necessarily the hero of every moment and that True. oh yeah I did some really shitty things too yeah out of being hurt and and wanting to like just doing shitty things to make yourself feel better and because you think you're justified in it um, and well that's something that this movie touched that's what I liked about it too like they're they're both doing ugly terrible things like they're both Neither of them are perfect. They're both doing... But even, like, there was something that's kind of, like, endearing about Ryan Reynolds' character, where, like, he doesn't, you know, freak out on Jesse Eisenberg's character when he rats him out. Like, he kind of, like... For lack of a better term... Well, he takes it like a man. Like, he accepts the fact that he was doing... He was doing something shitty, and uh, there nobody... there, There wasn't any spite in anything. Yeah, and there's only that one moment where he rats... Where he tells her, it's like, you know, he loves you, right? Yeah. But other than that, he doesn't tell her about the date with Lisa P. Like, he's not trying to pit her against him. Which, there's something charming about that, too. She even, like, calls him on that. And he's like, what, I'm supposed to write him out? Yeah. Like, there's something honorable about that. It's it's like he had, he has, he has a way of living. And, like, he has a philosophy on how his relationship is going to work. And he never deviates. And, you know, it, it's, and it was set up right in the beginning. Oh, we had a different girl last summer. Now he has a girl this summer. And when we, when we leave, he's already working on his next conquests. Did you get that? I, I was wondering if actually he was with her the summer before as well. If she was the girl from the previous summer. Oh, I had the impression that she was uh, new, that she was this summer's girl. Ah, uh, that makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah, and then you see him like lining up the three others, and I love that little moment where you realize the Lou Reed story. The story is bullshit. complete bullshit. Yeah, and it, and it's just like a little smile between them. Yeah, and uh, yeah, it was it was interesting. Like the the older the, the damaged older adults, like the father whose bottle it was, who just he just the the, the, the look that reminds the, the me. Look, yeah, that reminds me of a story that I I I have I told you the story about the magazine. Mm-hmm. Oh, you're ready to hear a fun story of my childhood. So, this is something I'm I'm gonna put to put on the podcast. But if someone takes this and puts this in a movie before I do, 
I'm going to be pissed off. <laughs> and I can tell the story because I know my dad is never going to know. My dad doesn't even know what a podcast is, so I can tell the story without worrying about him like listening to this. Unless I tell him it, what it is. Oh, you can tell him. I'm, I'm, I'm he has more a Spotify th- account now. He does have a Spotify account. That's true. Wow. He, might, he might be able to listen to this. Um, anyway, he, so, he so one day I come home from school. I'm probably your age, Ephraim. Oh, I remember this You know story. this story. So I come home from school and my mom is sitting there with like look of just utter disappointment, fucking furious anger, and I don't know what I did wrong, but she's pissed at me and she's like and I was like, Hey, what's up? She's like, Yeah, what's up? And I'm like, I, I honestly don't know what's up. She's like, Go to your room and wait till your father gets home and then we're gonna talk about it. And I'm just like, I, I'm my brain is just racking I'm like what did I possibly do to like make my mom like my mom hates me right now? Like she's never been this dis- both disappointed and mad. And we grew up like ironically Catholic, where we went to church, but not because we were religious, but because that's what you do yeah. when my mom grew up Catholic. So she thought she was religious, but she never was. So anyway, um, I'm up like th- I'm up there for what feels like forever. My dad comes home a couple hours later, and just like a really, and I'm waiting for my dad to barge in the door and like berate me. Right? Because I'm like, if she's this mad at me, he's going to be pissed. Because my dad was one of those dads that got really, really mad and then bought you something because he felt bad about how mad he was. <laughs> right? Okay. Um, she would do that. But he started with... mad. No, I just get mad. I learned. Because I'm like... Because the, 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 tr- the trophy that they buy you after doesn't make up for the fact that they were still shitty with you. Uh, so anyway, so he... Very soft knock on my door, which surprises me because I'm expecting like... Him to just barge in. FBI, open up. Yeah, FBI, open up, exactly. And he's like, hey, buddy, can uh, you have a moment to talk? And I'm like, this is, why is he playing good cop? <laughs> and where's mom? So he's like, so I just wanted to talk to you about um, something. I'm like, yeah, mom's real mad. He's like, yeah, yeah, she's pretty mad right now. <laughs> so here's the thing. So mom found something in your room, and now my brain's going, well, I, I didn't keep anything in my room. That, so I'm like, what did she find in my room that was possibly? And he's like, well, she found a magazine under your bed. I was like, and I'm thinking, well, maybe my cousins left something, right? Or stashed. And I got older cousins. And I'm like, well, I don't, dad, I don't, I don't have any magazines. I don't know what she found. Like, I don't, I didn't do anything. He's like, no, no, I know. It's not yours. Like, it's mine. (laughs) I was like, oh, I said, well, what was it? I know what it was. Um, And he's like, he's like, well, it doesn't matter what it was, but just know that she's pretty upset right now. And I was like, oh, okay. I said, but you know, I said, okay, well, I, I said, good, I said, good thing. So you're going to, so we, we can tell her, we can clear it up. He's like, he's like, yeah, here's the thing. <laughs> I'm going to need you to take one for the team on this. I said, like, what do you mean? He's like, well, he's like, it's, it's bad that she thinks it's yours. It's worse if she knows it's mine. <laughs> and I was like, so I just let her be mad at me. He's like, yeah, she'll get over it. And, and I'll make it worth your while. So, wow. I'll say this. I got away with murder with my dad for a long time. Um, for one magazine? For one magazine. La- well, here's the thing. Unfortunately, my mother passed away like four years later. Oh. Uh, so I couldn't write it out that long. Because uh, <laughs> after that, it was just like, no. I was like, mom's gone. It's like, it's over. Gravy trains left. But at that point, it was like, he, then he had single dad, single parent guilt. So that, that then I had that to, to, to bake on. But... Uh, yeah, from one from one dirty magazine, I had a lot of sway over my dad. Wow! <laughs> so worth it in the long run, even though for a little while there, my mom thought I was a pervert. Which, to be honest, I was thirteen years old. Of course, I was a pervert. Yeah, yeah. No, we I wow. remember that. What's that? Huh? You remember that? What? I've we, told you these. <laughs> we were brought up in very very different households. I'll just, dad, uh, I, I'll, I'll just I let you know. I found something under my uh, bed. Under your bed. <laughs> There's the internet. I why would yeah. I buy a magazine? <laughs> Who would have a magazine? What, 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 what did you find? Oh, yeah. I found an old tablet of yours. Oh so, my god! So you had a very different upbringing. Oh yeah, like my bar mitzvah, people were in from all over the, uh, the country, and my dad. Somebody had brought. Um, they gave away porn as like no, they had porn, and I was <laughs> like, well, so my dad and all of his. Uh, all of the adult, the guys were gonna watch like a porn movie in the living in the day. at your bar mitzvah. Well, during that time, it wasn't at the it wasn't like on Saturday morning, but um, 
sitting there eating your cereal. And yeah, and <laughs> and I was like, well, don't I get to watch it? They're like, no, 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 you're too young. Oh, the adults were watching it. Yeah. See, see, I never got the idea of like, let's sit around and watch a dirty movie as a group of, of adults. Like that, I never understood. I No, I didn't, I didn't get it either, but I knew as a, thir- as a 12, 13-year-old boy, I wanted to see it. And it was, I, I had this whole thing about, well, wait a minute, this is my party. Uh, everybody's here for me. And I'm being told to go upstairs because there's going to be like a screening of of this. And I was it was a very screwed up system. I know. I guess it was like they're coming out of the age of like porn theaters too, right? Where it wasn't. Yeah, I don't know. But even I remember at my brother-in-law's like at his bachelor party the night before the wedding, we were all like getting drunk. This so you can't repeat this story to Aunt Dee. So, not that this matters. So we, uh, um, she no, also... Don't, don't worry, no one's going to hear it. She also doesn't... <laughs> my sister doesn't listen to my podcast. Unless I give her the influence. She's yeah. still not going to listen to my podcast. In Brussels, she knows what... She knows who she married. Sorry. So, um, so again, all drinking, doing our things, and then end up, like, in the basement, and they all, like, they put a porno tape, and everyone's just sitting around, like, half-wasted, still watching. I'm sitting there, I'm like, I'm going to go for, like, sit in the backyard in the back of the house, like, oh, you don't want to watch my... No, this is weird for me. Like, I'm getting aroused sitting around here with a bunch of my, like, relatives and my future brother-in-law. I'm like, this, I don't understand why you want to do this right now. I don't, I, I don't get the enjoyment of this. This, is, this makes me feel weird. Yeah, and I, <laughs> it, it, when I think back on it, it was weird, but, I, yeah. but for me, it was just like, because I was being denied it, I didn't, it wasn't. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Well, you were 13, I get it. Yeah, and I just couldn't understand. Well, I was just feeling like, this is my party, and t- I'm being told that I have to stay upstairs. This is crazy. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but the movie is good. Uh, it's not a <laughs> Back porn. Back to the movie. Uh, at all? No, um, but there's something about like that. I think we, especially you're a writer. I'm a writer, but it's like that. There's something about like, I think us in particular, we're always like, there's something romantic about the coming of age story because we all like we can all put our version of something we all know. We can all like take certain characters from any of these movies and be like, oh, I know that guy or that girl or whatever, um, and just and to kind of put ourselves in their shoes because we we've, we've lived a version of that. Yeah, and and just. Yeah, for this, watching Jesse Eisenberg's character, like, finally come into being a man, and actually, I'm going to go to New York no matter what, and uh, I don't need all of these other people. I, I've made a decision, and he finally follows through with, it, with, with, his, with his initial want, which was to get, to get there. I mean, it, it's very satisfying, and then to see him actually, you know, meet with the girl who caught his eye, like, in, you know, what is it, the first five, ten minutes of the movie? Yeah. Yeah. I really like their relationship, too. It's very, like, it's not one of those will they, won't they. It just kind of, like, just, it almost starts from the get-go, and it's just, like, a slow burn that feels pretty natural. Natu- I was going to say, it's, it, it, that was what was really nice about, I think a whole movie was so natural. and Even Hater and Wig doing their crazy stuff, it didn't seem... It, it didn't get to that insane uh, stuff that I've seen them do in, in other movies. No, you still buy it because yeah. you get to see because you get to see them normal. Like there's even that great moment where he storms out with a baseball bat and chases yeah. the guys. Like you don't know what I'm what capable of. But then he walks back in. And he's like, "Hey, thanks for doing that. Yeah, no problem." Yeah. And then he just goes back into a regular conversation, and you get the sense of like, "Oh, this is a regular occurrence." Occurrence, yeah. That there's people that like c- confront or try to assault the workers, and uh, yeah, this is just a Tuesday for him. Yeah, and there, you know, the romance. All that romance and the way it was shot, and even the cliche moments were 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 quite beautiful. Like with them sitting on the hill and the fireworks are going off yeah. in the background, and you're watching. And it was like, oh wow, this is, this this could be cheesy, yet it's the treatment it's getting here. It's actually it works. It's lovely. It's, yeah, I love. There's something very. I'll use the word again. Natural and earnest. About yeah. It. And, I love Martin Starr's character is so great in Heartbreak. I love like that 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 terrible scene where he goes to the girl and gives her the book, oh. and she's just like clearly trying to br- blaming her parents or her religion or whatever. And he's like, "It's still a good book." And she's like, yeah, no. "No, ugh." But I love and I love and again, you know, it's in the it's in the movie so that you can kind of that helps redeem Kristen Wiig's character. But like the idea of her shitting on the girl for it's like, how dare you, like. Yeah. Blame your religion or use whatever. Oh, Kirsten Stewart. You said Kirsten right. Stewart. Yeah, Kirsten yeah. Way. Yeah, Kirsten Stewart. Sorry, thank you. Uh, character, you know, kind of avenging him, uh, coming to his aid. And I love that he quits because he's just like looking around at all these people and, ugh, I love Martin Starr. He's not ugly. 
just, he's hot in Silicon Valley. Yeah, I, it's it, it's just so strange seeing this movie and realizing how many of these these actors went on to be in such huge, huge careers after. This. Well, that's I mean, Kristen Wiig. This is you know not that long before Bridesmaids. Really, um, when you think now, like Bridesmaids is probably almost ten years old. Yeah. So this would have been pretty close. I, mean, I imagine she's three, writing about four, three, four years. Yeah. Like, so she's probably writing it at this point. Yeah. But she hasn't broken out. Like she's just doing a series of these small little parts while she's still on SNL. Yeah, and Hader was on SNL, but I don't think. Well, was had he already done uh, Thunder? Um, the, uh, some of the other movies. What's the Vietnamese? Thing. Oh, um, you know, uh, the Ben Stiller, the... Ben Stiller movie. Thunder, Tropic Thunder. Tropic Thunder. Oh, yeah. Thunder Road. I was going Thunder Road? I feel yeah. like that was a little bit after this. this. No, that was, yeah. No, that was before. Was that before this? You know the year? He, that's one of his 2008. favorites. 2008. 2008. Look at this. Wow. My little nerd. Look at him. My Nicely little nerd. done. But I got to look it up because I, I want to make sure you're right and I'll be very proud of you. I'll love you either way. before Iron Man. Look at that. See, I'm raising him properly. Holy crap. Martin. Uh, I gotta look it up because not that I doubt you. He is 2008. Look at you, my He's boy. Wow, because yeah, because like, Hater was in that and he was great, and you just see all of these guys just growing. And I, you know, Jesse Eisenberg and I looked at this and I went, oh, I, I. Once I saw this, I was like, no wonder he got the Social Network. But it's funny because he hasn't like done, been active lately. Yeah, so, and I wonder if he's just choosy. Like he's, you know, he's made, he's done okay. Yeah. You should get him. I should get JC Iceberg. Yeah, I'll just call him just up. Just call him. Yeah. That's I think I have works. his number on my phone. I wanted Martin Starr for something uh, years ago, and they said that he didn't have enough value. Who, uh, who said? Well, I'm not going to name names. Yeah. yeah. Well, they were just going you through their, all their bullshit. Can't you bleep them? I, I, don't, <laughs> I, I don't put that much work into the podcast. Um, I'll do it for $100. That's, I'm, again, I'm not going to pay that much. I, I didn't pay that much for my streaming service that I post this podcast on. For ten dollars, I'm still not going to pay. One. You you can do it for free, so, and I so will. So some producers out there anyway. just said there wasn't enough cachet in that in that name. Yeah, they were like, if we if 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 he could be like the third, per- but also he's Canadian too. So if they're right. like, well, he could be our third person in the movie, and I'm like, okay, fine, but that's not the right role. Like he'd be good as the lead. Anyway, it's just one of those things that makes you sad because you're like, he's so good. Like, why do you anyway? Blah 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 blah. Well, but I'd still love to work. Martin Starr, if you ever listen to this, please know that that's not how I felt. But I was over, I was overwritten. By, <laughs> by your producers? Let me ask you that. So how long ago was this? Uh, this would have been probably, after, it was just after this. It was like, probably like a couple years after this. So, now with... So before Silicon Valley. Okay, so... Knowing, now with the, all the experience you have under your belt, if you wanted... If you were still going to make that project and you wanted Martin Starr, would you would you fight for it more now? I think so, but I think also the world has changed where we don't have the star system we had ten years ago. No, no, now it's more of a logarithm star system. Yeah, now it's more of like a combination of people as opposed to one specific individual. Unless you're like at the top tier, and it's like, it, and you got like your Tom Cruise is like there really there's like maybe five people that actually. Ha- can open any movie they're in. Yeah, and make and, money. Because even, like, there was an article years ago talking about how even Will Smith isn't a guarantee anymore. Yeah. Um, but even Robert Downey Jr., like, when, what was that, uh, the Dr. Doolittle movie came out, right? Yeah. And it bombed, bombed. And they're like, Robert Downey Jr. is bankable when he plays Tony Stark. It's like, so even that, like, it, it's not movie, pr- like, these actors aren't movie proof. Like, they've got to be playing those specific roles. Right. And I think that's what, we've learned in the last like decade or less than decade about, but is that part of the streaming thing we were talking about before is like the, the, the math of it has taken over and that's why movies like this feel more authentic because there's a little bit more play, a little bit more adventure, even in the casting and that kind of thing. Yeah, for sure. Cause I'm sure like you look at like Netflix has all their algorithms and information. They know which actors well, they will green light over and over again. They're like, yeah, this person, has brought us this much this much viewership so we could, based on yeah that math we we're going to bring him in. Yeah, that's how Adam Sandler got his like his multi-picture deals, you know, mm-hmm. anyone any producer walks into Netflix with Ryan Reynolds attached to a movie and gets the, made. it gets made if it if it if the budget number hits the algorithm. 
you know, it's all it's all about like plugging into the the system and making sure the numbers work. Uh, and some of that is, and some of it's casting for sure. And well, not some of it, but well, a lot I'm wondering, of it's I'm wondering if that's affecting me now because, like, that why I'm I'm feeling so no, so nostalgic about going back to other movies because okay. there's a certain authenticity to those to the to those things now that I'm I'm just maybe I'm just getting tired of some of the stuff I'm seeing now. Yeah, but I think I it know. is too that like you're seeing this. We're seeing the same people over and over again. It's true. Like there are less opportunities for more actors. They just want the same yeah. people. They want the same people, but that's, you know, that's been the case for a long time. Well, yeah. But it's like, it's, it's, people are breaking out in different and weird ways. Uh, well, even series-wise, I mean, this is going a little off topic, but, like, um, I just watched Somebody Somewhere on HBO, which okay. is the Duplass Brothers um, series. Yeah. And I haven't seen that one yet. It has... I love um, those guys. What's her name is the lead of... Uh, a big, she's a big woman. Uh, she's usually known for uh, these very, very bold, big, uh, big, big roles. And she used to be. She did a lot of cabaret style stuff in New York. Um, so but she's she's like a newcomer. No, in no, terms no. of like not. Uh, when I say the name, you'll you'll know who she is. Not Melissa McCarthy. No, 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 no. But uh, Bridget Everett. Oh no, I don't know that person. So here. For those of you on the podcast, I'm showing a picture of Bridget Everett. Nice. You can Google it on your own machine. And, you know, it was just, for me, watching that, um, and and the way it was cast, and all, it was just faces I hadn't seen before, in a a place I hadn't seen before. It just felt so interesting and original. It's literally the the shows that make me lean forward off the couch. And I know that's probably not... It's not what the Netflix model at least seems to be built on in terms of making it. Yeah, it's but just it, I'm feeling like maybe I, that maybe somehow I'm getting bored with the the math of that. Yeah, or am I just being elitist right now? No, I think I think there's something to that. Like HBO definitely, I think takes a bit more risk. Yeah, on on newer faces, but also I think with the Duplass brothers, they're enough of like names as filmmakers. That they can get away with kind of casting people just out of, you know, a place like HBO. They have an overall deal with HBO. Yeah. So they can just kind of say, get probably some say of, yeah, it's like, cast whoever you want, as long as they're good. Yeah, and it, she was good. I mean, you, uh, when you get a chance, watch the series, tell me what you think, because I thought it was like one of the most original and most interesting uh, half hours that I'd seen in, in, in years. But but that's what's happening. Like, even you look at the Duplass brothers, and, and Mark Duplass had a great article not too long ago um, about, like, just the film system right now and, and all of that because he had this great... I don't know if you ever saw it. Uh, it's on YouTube, but it's, he did this great South by South speech called The Cavalry Isn't Coming. Is that, uh, one, is that the one where he just says... Go just take a phone and go make something. Yeah, basically. Yeah, and he's like, just make your own things. Don't wait for people to help you. Nobody's going to. Just you're your own cavalry, basically. Uh, and 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 talking a lot about how do you make a success as a filmmaker. And then and he's basically this article that came out not too long ago, kind of just turned that up in his head. And he's like, yeah, that's not even true anymore. He's like, film. He says even as someone who is known as like an indie indie darling, he's like, it's almost impossible to make. A living as a feature filmmaker, and so he and Jay, his brother, have ba- have embraced television more. And I feel like that's where, you know, the indie filmmakers of yesterday are now kind of able to, first of all, make a living, but also yeah. have a bit more creative flexibility. And that's and that's what I look at more and more these days, tr- trying to you know, develop projects. That, I'm still stuck on films because I love films so much, and my brain kind of works in that format. But uh, but I. I I, I think that will pay off. That's well, it is it, it will pay off for you. It is paying off for you because people people I think still have a lot of respect for film, even though film isn't the bigger bigger market. Sure, you know, uh, but everybody wants everybody wants someone who's made a really great film to make a great TV series. Knock yeah. knock on my door, anyone? Yeah, yeah because no. he's right here. I'm right here. Uh, but yeah, but that, but it's also, there's something interesting about that longer format too. Mm. And knowing you have just room to like explore and play and discover and, and it doesn't have to fit into like, you know, uh, 90 pages 
and, yeah. and a specific mold, and you can kind of let characters grow and, and learn from them. So. And other t- characters can take over for a little bit, too, in yeah. some of the other series. That- well, and, and TV has done such a great... Like, there's been so many great innovations in television, too, where it's like you don't have this idea of, like, if you've got an ensemble cast, you have to give them each an equal amount in every episode. Like, you know, with shows like... You know, everything ranging from... You know, half-hour comedies do it, too, but I think of, like, shows like Walking Dead and This Is Us, and they have no problem just doing... focusing on two or three characters for an entire episode. Yeah. And not dealing with the ensemble cast. And I think probably that's a bit of a budget thing, but also a scheduling thing. So they don't have to have everyone in every single day as well. Um, But I think there's something really nice about that, about shows being able to, like, kind of, like, even not necessarily have... Uh, a format within the show and that's and that's a way to keep things fresh too well yeah I think shows aren't as formatted as they were when you were saying like uh, with Three Stooges like you, you can't run them all together the same way you couldn't run House all together right now because House the, ser- the, the, the series House like every episode is almost exactly the same if you ran them together, people would be like, by the third episode, they'd be like, what the hell is going on? Yeah, you start to see the format. The, formu- the formula was so, but the formula was so strong and so clear and everything happened like almost to the minute, exactly the same every episode. Yeah, I remember Genji Cohen talking about it when she did Orange is the New Black for Netflix, which was one of their first big flagship shows after House of Cards, um, coming off of Weeds, where she was like, we built every episode for that to have like a massive hook. Because we wanted people desperately to come back the next week and to talk about the yeah. show between the week. And so every show was based on a cliffhanger ending where when they did Orange is the New Black, she sent in the scripts to Netflix and they're like, you know, you don't have to do this at the end. They're going to watch the next episode right away. But even that's changing because now they're going back to dropping them once a week, right? Yeah, something like Disney Pluses, most of theirs are once a week. Mm-hmm. But Netflix still drops an entire yeah, season at Netflix a time. does, but HBO... It's dropping it, dropping things like once a week. Amazon drops them all at once. Sometimes, uh, but then not all. No, or sometimes they'll drop, I, or maybe it's just the way I'm watching it. I, I, I see two, and then like... I feel like, I wonder if now there's like this, they let the, the showrunners choose if they want to have like a weekly thing, or if they want to have it all dropped at once. There is something nice about the anticipation yeah. of waiting to see something. Yeah, because there's also something about, because the problem is you just watch it, you can sit and watch it all and go, and then it's over. Yeah. Um, you burn through it. Over. You burn through it like like a you know a big bag of cocaine. That's just it. But that was our child. Like I've told you before, like that old adage of like I remember like you know once I'm watching Ninja Turtles and my parents were you know trying to k- go go take out the garbage. I'm like, but if I, I I'll never know how it. I I, didn't, I had if I had to walk away, I would never know how that episode ended because I couldn't just pause it right and come back to it. Yeah, you know I'd be lucky if I found it on a rerun. You know. Uh, but you, you you can literally pause live TV yeah. now, right? You can record it. You can record more than one show at a, at a time, which if I wanted to record something, first of all, I had to be home because God knows if I could set the VCR timer properly. Yeah. Um, but you could set one thing at a time, and hopefully the tape had enough space on it, and you weren't accidentally taping over the thing your sister taped the night before, and she was going to kick your ass. <laughs> <laughs> Um, or someone unplugged in, plugged back in, but didn't reset the clock. Yeah, all these things, right? But t- recording more than one thing that was playing at a time, like, that's magic. Yeah. I still don't know how the machine does that. <laughs> I, well, who knows? There's so much now that I, I don't... I've no, I haven't recorded anything. I just wait. Like, yo, if I missed it. Uh, well, next week, everything, it's all going to be uh, back catalog. I can just watch it again. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, bringing it back onto this, what are some of your favorite coming-of-age movies? Oh. Wow. Deadpool. What? Deadpool? Deadpool? De- Deadpool. <laughs> I guess every origin story of a superhero is a coming-of-age story. To a degree, Yeah. I mean, you watched... We did this for the podcast. We did Stand By Me. Yeah. I was kidding about Deadpool. Oh, I understand. But Stand By Me was still... And that was a movie I watched when I was the age of the characters. So it was a very impactful movie for me. I'm trying to think just specifically of coming of age movies. It's, it's hard because there's so many good ones. Yeah. Um, there's, a, there's one very much like Adventureland that came out not that long ago called The Way, Way Back. Or the way back? Oh yeah. I can't remember the one, and it's very—it's almost like a a, a, a oh, copy of this. Yeah, but they go to a water. It takes place at a water park. Yeah, Steve I Carell is in it, and um, 
Oh, who's the other... Oh, Sam Rockwell. Sam Rockwell plays kind of like a combination of Ryan Reynolds' character and Bill Hader's character okay. in, the, in that one. Um, um, I'm just trying to think what I'm, You know, everything's sort of coming of age in, in, a, in one way or another, but I'm just trying to think, like, even Ferris Bueller's a coming-of-age movie in some ways. Yeah, there's a lot... It's funny, even, like, I had uh, in, in the, one of the directing courses I teach... The students this week had to pitch like a major project they're developing, and four of them pitched coming of age movies. And of course. and I said, look, these are all interesting. They're well, they're well like structured. And I was like, but I've seen this one before. Yeah, it's this. It's not unique enough. Like, and I'm like, and so honestly, find a new twist. Well, and I said honestly, and honestly, I said it feels like you're just scratching the surface of your your own pain, and it's not personal enough. I'm like, dig in and get messy and come back. Yeah. I said, because it's just that's what makes it, again, that's what brings it back to this and makes it authentic and, and, and interesting when people aren't trying to, like, again, write themselves as the hero of the story, which is why I think it's like, I think, yeah, it's like, it's hard to write something to, I think, I think to write about something authentically, it has to be at least five to ten years later, you know, for you oh, to, for you you to, to, for to see all the sides of it. Yeah. And yourself included, right? Uh, yeah, I mean, or five to ten drafts later. Um, yeah, fair. You know, because I, I think you can, at certain points, you can work out your own psychology of that situation as you're writing it. Like As oh, you get older, you, know, you can. Yeah. Yes. But when yes, you're younger, you just, you just want to believe that you're the hero always. But once you've, once people have schooled you and put you in your place long enough, and, and especially after you've been married, yeah. uh, you, you can suddenly have, you get perspective real quick. <laughs> well, yeah, and you have, you, it's that um, divorce of ego where you basically say, oh, you know, I don't, it's not always about me. You know, I, don't, I, don't, I don't have to build it around me. Let's, let's, let's look at what the other people are going through. And once you can sort of look at ego as a thing, yeah. that's, that's when it gets interesting. And, and, and there was a lot, of, yeah, there was a lot of, of experience and wisdom in this movie when you, when you watched it and those watched all the kids going through their their thing and and we were all sitting on the couch we were like oh oh no he's gonna do it he's gonna do it and so we all knew the moment yeah that that was happening and we all felt that pain and that and we understood like oh, the, the great awkwardness the awkwardness and the 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 bad choice and why you would make the bad choice and you understand it, but you still know it's a bad choice. Yeah, it's all coming for you, bud. Yeah, wait. This is your future. Uh, your own, you you'll have your version of Adventureland somewhere. Are you looking forward to that age of, of your life? I don't know. You don't know? It'll be exciting at the time. We'll have a lot of late night conversations, or you just won't want to talk to me at that point. I won't be cool and hip enough. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what? You're supposed to lie to me. Make him feel good. Make me feel good. Uh, or he'll steal your Advil. Right? <laughs> Final thoughts on Adventureland, Ephraim? It was good. It was good? I liked it. You liked it? Well, you got, we still have to watch Superbad. That's another oh, good really? one. Oh, really? Yeah, he hasn't seen it yet. Oh, okay. Uh, but that's definitely one you... Uh, that's closer to your age range. That's like last day of high school movie. Um, last, Final thoughts on Adventureland? Um... I thought it was uh, sweet and wise. Yeah, I was, I was, and I, I wasn't worried about this, but even like I finally, even now, it's like there's movies that were made five years ago you watch and you're like, oof, like there's some stuff and you're like, ooh, that's outdated. But it was nice, like this, this is a, a timeless movie. It was, you know, intentionally timeless. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, uh, I really, really enjoyed it. Talk oh, we're talking about the soundtrack. soundtrack. Oh, yeah, the soundtrack was great. It's it's. I mean, again, this is movie music that's just slightly before my time. Yeah. But uh, but I was singing along to the. I can't remember the name of the song, but the one that sometimes you just make me mad. That one. Oh, in the car. Yeah. Well, and then it played again at the bar later on. You oh, put yeah. it on the jukebox. Uh, but the, yeah, I mean, there was. It's funny. Like I don't think about all those songs, but every one that played, I was like, oh, I know this tune. Yeah, and well, I, I know guys who who hang, hung out with the student when he was talking about Rush and all that. I was like, ah, oh, Jesus, I've been been through all of that. But even we were joking around about the concept of like he gives her a mixtape at one time called like his uh, his favorite sad songs, 
yeah. and how like just I remember making mixtapes at the time because you had again you you I, we had a stereo that had two tape cassettes because yep. you, you you could do it, um, but you had to like you had to own either the other tape or the CD. You had to time it out. You had to plan it first of all. You had to do the math to make sure it could all fit on the same side. And just really think it out. And there was no accident to the way, like, the songs you put on there. No, you're making it was them like, for someone. you, it was, you, it, was you, your, it was a love letter. Yeah, I was going to say, it's like you wrote someone a poem. You were like, hey, man, I was thinking about you, and I put all these tunes together, and it took a while. Like, I remember sitting there with, with, with records. I still have some. Cassettes. I still have all the mixtapes anyone ever made for me. Oh, really? Yeah, they're all, I don't know if they'd still play. I don't even know if we have a device to play them on, but they. Cassette? Cassettes. Wow. Um, I think I, we have a cassette player at the farm, but I should. We pop, just threw out one. Some of them are great. I remember, I remember, like some of them are just great, and and, and it's funny. So now, even now, when I because I listen to them over and over again, right? So it's almost like you you memorize that order of songs, and there's sometimes I'll hear a song and I'll expect another song to come after it because I remember the order of that mixtape yeah. subconsciously, right? But even when I remember when CDs came in and you could burn a CD for someone, it just wasn't the same. There's something I felt no. like naughty doing it, like it didn't count. Yeah, I know, I know. I've, well, and especially if you, if you had the double cassettes and you could start it and then you would hit, you'd hit the record. Because you just sit there for the whole thing. Yeah. And experience those songs as you're making for someone. And then as you're playing it halfway through, you're like, oh, this moment might be too much. Maybe, what am I doing here? Where just to put, for a CD, you just have to put the songs in order and hit burn. Yeah. And, and, now, and now it's even the lazier, just make a Spotify playlist. Yeah. It doesn't even, you don't even have to work out with the math of that. No, and I, my favorite part was just. Put a thousand songs in that thing. Listening to the song, and you'd have the cassette with the index card, and you'd be filling out the card as you, as you listen to the song. Yeah. And you're like, yeah, this is good. This is the right, this is right. This is, this is the right <laughs> This song. is the one. Uh, mixtapes. Mixtapes. It's they were very personal. It felt like you were really like I I sat and I, I I thought about this and I put it down on on paper and then I listened to it and I yeah I this was some this was a real piece of me I'm giving to you. Yeah, the closest thing I still make mixtapes, but they're like more for like mood like musical mood boards for things I'm writing. Yeah, uh, I'll put together. That's the closest thing I have to mixtapes now. But I should make my wife a Spotify playlist. It's that's you, the modern version. You made one for your grandma. No, I didn't. I thought you were working on one. No. It was more like songs that you like that don't have swearing in them. I think. No, I never started. <laughs> you didn't start it. We. I think we should. You, I it. couldn't find any. <laughs> I just needed to put a bit of Eminem and Dr. Dre on it. A little Dre and, yeah. and Eminem. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Well, thanks She'd for joining like me. Kind of Thank you. I. I. And what you know when the movie was playing? Absolutely, I, I do not know this movie. It was like I was five minutes. Oh, away. you were a proper virgin. I was a proper proper virgin because I was like, it must have just been because I've known all those names on the uh, on the billboard. I knew it, but yeah, I, it was it was a new movie to me. So thank you. My pleasure. We'll do it again sometime soon. I hope so. Let's all go. To Thanks for joining us for Adventureland. Black Hole Films is a proud member of the That Shelf Podcast Network. You can listen to other episodes of our show and other That Shelf podcasts on thatshelf.com. Please subscribe, leave comments, spread the word, do all the things that let others know you like the show and how they can check it out. You can find me on Twitter, at Lon Jeremy, and go to Facebook and join the group Black Hole Films. And until next time, go watch something you've never seen before. Thanks. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a